Dennis Buckingham works as a biologist for the Department of Public Works on JBLM to provide visitors with a safe, high-quality hunting and outdoor recreation opportunity by managing the installation's ecosystems, biodiversity through conservation and restoration while prioritizing and supporting the military's mission in a responsible manner. Justin Spurls, with Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and Armed Forces Initiative, introduces us to him and facilitates a conversation about hunting and fishing on JBLM and the unique opportunities provided to members of the Washington National Guard and the uh, other members of the Department of Defense in the area. Let's get after it. We have a professional obligation for the ethical application of, uh, of force. You can have a growth mindset where you're always achieving for better. This is about us, about our guard, our reputation. We are all in this together. Outthink, outmaneuver, and outfight the enemy. If you wage war, do it energetically and with severity. This is the only way to make it shorter and consequently less inhumane. Thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Raven Report podcast. I'm Chaplain Sanders, and I'm on with Justin Spurl and Dennis uh, Buckingham, right? So, uh, Justin, uh, why don't you said uh, you uh, you haven't been on? It was uh, 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 Trevor and all in there. They were on the last time we had DHA. So, why don't you just tell us a little bit about about yourself and what what you do here in uh, Washington? Yeah, absolutely. So, Justin Spurl, uh, I was a in the U.S. Army for about eight years. Uh, most of that time was spent right here at Joint Base Lewis-McChord. Uh, actually, they tried to get me to leave and go back home, and I told the Army no and decked my orders to, so that way I could stay around. Uh, I, I just loved the opportunities here in the Evergreen State. So, yeah, you had Trevor on before talking about what Armed Forces Initiative is. I handle our communications, so social media, emails. Uh, we've got 24 subordinate accounts that we kind of try to manage and help keep toolkits and I just help everybody out in that manner but I live up here in Washington it's been an absolute blessing to be up here so uh, Armed Forces Initiative for those who missed it is the military wing of backcountry hunters and anglers so we're a public lands organization and our section is dedicated to getting veterans involved in hunting fishing and eventually conservation legislation uh, get them moving into that portion. So, uh, yeah, that's that's who I am. Been here since 2011, and I don't think I'm going anywhere. Right. What's where's home for you? Uh, home is Texas. Uh, I left Texas. I was born and raised. Uh, I left there in 2011. Went to Germany. Uh, stayed over in Baumholder and got involved doing some invasive species removal. Is actually uh, that's what I was doing uh, in, in my spare time. I would take people out take them fishing, teach them how to remove rainbow trout, teach them how to remove uh, the invasive crawfish. So they introduced signal crawfish, which are from Washington accidentally. <laughs> and I would teach people how to take the fans. So we would go to the dump or we would find units that were that were leaving and we would take their old ceiling or their uh, floor fans from the barracks and create crawfish traps. And uh, that's really what got me involved getting veterans into the outdoors because I had so much fun just doing something that was seemed familiar to me, you know, catching crawfish and teaching people how to do a crawfish boil and everything else. Uh, and then when I got to Washington, I mean, it's a whole new ball game. I've never known about public lands uh, for me. Yeah. I think really what happened is I was going on a vacation and I, you know, I was an E3 at the time and heading down to Colorado, brand new kid. 
And somebody told me like, well, you know, why don't you just go camp on some public land? And I was like, you know, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to pay for this, this vacation. And I was like, what are you talking about? And that's when I learned about uh, dispersed camping and the fact that you can just pull off onto public land and go camp for free and blew my mind. Um, that's, that's what caught me. Cause of course, Texas 98% privately owned. So I just, I was never used to BLM land or any of that it just wasn't something I had grown up with. And yeah, the moment for me, uh, I was outside of Jackson, Wyoming, uh, on a little mountain. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and, <laughs> and give up my spot, but right, uh, right. it's overlooking the Tetons. And we start driving up and these frat guys come down in their Jeep and they're like, Hey, are you going camping? We're like, yeah, you know, we're looking for a spot, like go two more spots up, pull into the right, pitch your tent right there. It's ours. It's amazing. And, you know, we get it all set up and I got baby and two dogs and, you know, we get the tent all set there and got the chairs out and we get to watch sunset going over the Tetons while holding my six month old kid. And I was just like, well, that's it. Like I can't, I can't not be around public lands anymore. So right, uh, that's right. when I decided I was staying here. What what part of Texas are you from? Uh, so I'm from I'm from a little town called Marble Falls. So, Marble Falls uh, outside of Austin. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, yeah. So you know, southeast Texas, very crawfish friendly land. So yes, yeah, a lot of a lot of crawfish. And my my grandparents had land out in East Texas uh, on the Louisiana border. So yep, lots of catfish, a lot of crawfish. Yeah. Um, so, you know, going, having something familiar in Germany was really nice. And it was like, oh, well, I'm the expert here. Like, I'm going to show everybody. And we're, yeah. we're linking up with the hunters in the area who would give us badger guts. That was the <laughs> best crawfish bait. Um, and we'd take badger guts and put them into those. Again, it was just the cages from around a fan. And we'd wire them together, put a little uh, 550 cord. And I would drop them off during patrol. So I was, I was an MP. So I'd go out on patrol. We had to go out to the creek. Uh, to check the water main. So we sent them out there. You drop your traps in the night shift. You come back after you get off shift uh, in your personal vehicle. And now you've just got a ton of crawfish and, you know, we just hold the boil. So, yeah. Well, it's interesting because I bring that up because like, there's definitely a cultural element to um, like at least public land awareness. So like in, in that part of Texas, like you said it was like 98% uh, private, but even in Arkansas, which has a significant amount of public land, it's like I'll encounter people like whenever I go hunting and stuff, I'm like, hey, look, we can just camp right here. And they're like, well, can we? Because like it's so that people down here are so publicly or private land oriented that they don't understand what that that's their land. They can go do, do you know a lot of stuff on there without any kind of charge or anything else. Like you don't have to notify the Forest Service that, hey, look, I'm, I'm you know camping out this weekend or anything like crazy like that. It's like it's public land. And uh, there's definitely a, a kind of a a hurdle to kind of get over there uh at least in the southeast for sure whereas if you go to washington it's just like oh yeah like uh, you know we have like all this this land out here in the cascades that we can run around in and do so it's kind of a unique benefit to that state yeah well and people go to fort carson and, and all of a sudden you know they're you know if they're from texas or they're from somewhere else in the southeast and they're used to oh i'm gonna hunt whitetail i'm gonna yeah. go to my uncle's farm that's where we're gonna be the stand's been there the feeder's going and now they've been moved somewhere else and they don't know that, yeah, you have public land that you can just, you can just go walk out to. Uh, if it's season, you can just go there and you can hunt and you don't, you know, um, it's, it's just something that, yeah, that's, that's part of why I got involved uh, when, when the AFI kind of started, that's why I got involved was making sure that I could help spread that awareness. Um, Cause that's really something that I enjoyed was 
teaching others about the opportunities, finding ways to get out. I, I explored all over Germany um, and Europe. I went fly fishing in the Austrian Alps. I rode horses through the Italian Alps. Um, you know, I had a ton of fun in Germany once I kind of got out of the barracks and stopped doing that single soldier life thing. Um, right, right. And same thing when I went to Korea, I, I caught a Korean river tarpon on a jig and I was fly fishing for carp. And um, those opportunities exist. And a lot of people don't take advantage of it because when you're active duty, you're getting moved around and you can be in some amazing places that you just, you just don't know how to get out. So, you know, finding that opportunity and being able to share, here's how you do it has been important to me. Right. Yeah. Just trying to try to Google your way into success can be very, very difficult in some of these places. Yes. So I, yeah. And I, I don't want to uh, uh, skip over uh, uh, Dennis. I can sit there and talk to you all day long about this because we're both very passionate about it. But uh, so Dennis, you work on, on uh, JBLM as a biologist, correct? That's right. Yeah. Why don't you t uh, just tell us kind of about that, about your, uh, your background and just how you ended up uh, doing what you're doing and what it is that you are doing and how we can benefit from it. Sure. Well, I am an employee of uh, JBLM, Department of Public Works, Fish and Wildlife Branch, and I have been here. I was a contractor here since 2013, and I just switched over to a GS position last September. Um, as we as we took over iSportsman and hunting and fishing management, that's one thing that a lot of people don't understand is it was an MWR program until July 1st this year when DPW took it over for the first time. So not only is that uh, the first time that we're uh, managing fish and wildlife or managing game game uh, harvest and public recreation. Uh, but we're also launching this whole brand new program um, and we're way ahead of the schedule that we propose. So we were trying to launch in July 2024 um, and we're told we'd launch iSportsman basically this year. So we rushed a few things and, and we got it up and running, but the system is, is going. We got 3,000 customers signed up. Um, there are some quirks to the system, some hiccups that we're solving every day, but we're improving it. Uh, and then we're, you know, we're coming online with, with game species surveys and active population management and stuff like that. So it's an exciting time um, because none of that stuff has ever been done on JB. It wasn't being done by MWR. Um, and we're also initiating a, a Sykes Act compliant reinvestment program where we're taking all the fees and, and everything that's collected from the, from the actual anglers and hunters, uh, reinvesting it in conservation and infrastructure improvement. Um, so I think we have a few disgruntled customers out there that aren't used to paying money, uh, but we're committed to making an awesome recreation hunting and fishing program on JBLM in the long term. It's such a unique and awesome base as far as our diversity of landscapes and habitats and species present that I think we really have the framework for making one of the best, if not the best, recreation programs in the DOD network. But um, we're not there yet. We're on our way. Right. So I've got tons of questions for you. So, so the way I under, understand it is that like, MWR ran kind of like all the hunting and fishing management regs or, or, or whatever on JBLM specific, not that necessarily Washington State obviously has a, uh, uh, you know, a vote, but um, but they're the ones managing the outdoor rec up until July 1st. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. And then, so like I said, after that, you said DPW took over. So like, uh, tell us kind of like about DPW and what that take over, like what all did they take over? Um, so, well, in general, DPW, for people that don't understand, they manage all of the infrastructure on JBLM. So it's everything from sewage to power to 
facility management and everything. And so we're in fish and wildlife. We're over here in the environmental branch. So that's forestry, fish and wildlife, hazmat, uh, and water program. And so we have taken over everything as far as managing the training areas, all public, public access to the training areas, um, including hunting and fishing. The only fishing area that we don't have purview over is American Lake. That's still an MWR uh, area. Um, but yeah, basically every, every person that's recreating downrange at this point is, is going through or required to go through iSportsman, which is now being managed by us. All right, so like, uh, how do, what's your interaction with uh, range control look like then? So that's actually an interesting thing. So range control, right, right around the same time that we launched iSportsman, range control brought on a new operations officer. And he um, has been really revolutionizing. Um, this is John Parker that I'm talking about. He's revolutionizing how everything is being handled but there are some hiccups in that process as well. So not everything is really hammered out. And there's been a few glitches where a certain area has not been open. For example, Trotter's Woods, a hugely popular salmon fishing spot, um, was closed because of a training conflict in TA3. And that had not been figured out inside his new system. Um, but because, the, you know, because of that problem happened, we were able to look into it and go into the system that has created within the range facility management system um, to make that so that that conflict would not occur again. Okay. So it's a new system on their side. It has a lot of potential, but it's not, it's not mature yet either. So there's some, some cases where iSportsman and this new, this new system that range control has running are just, they're glitching, but we're, every time one of those things happen, we're improving the system one side or the other for a better product in the long run. Well, that's good to know because that, that means that like as it, we start to to use some of these new systems, it means that like if you have a problem, let somebody know about it because you might be the first person to come across that. And the only way to to, to refine it is for somebody to kind of raise their hand and be like, hey, like what's you know, what's the deal with this? That is absolutely true. And we've had a ton of awesome feedback. And and for the most part, 95% of the customers are like, hey, I just want to let you know about this issue. And, and it's great because that the customer feedback and all of us working together to improve the system is the foundation of us all building this awesome system. Right. You know, of course, some people are, you know, they come off mad first thing or, or whatever, and that's to be expected. But um, the long run is the more, you know, if someone notices a problem, just like you said, it could be the first time we're hearing about it. We have a lot to learn, like, you know, taking over all of this July 1st, we're not only learning this new system, iSportsman and managing the actual internal guts of it, but we're learning you know, how game moves on the landscape and the fishing seasons and all the, the little tricks and people are sharing with us, you know, things they've been doing since the 70s or experiences that they had then or, or what they harvested in the central impact area in the mid 80s or, or whatever. So all of the feedback helps, not just the problems, but just, you know, the observations and the things that they've seen or done in the old days or, or whatever. Oh, that makes sense. So yeah, like I, I really appreciate kind of like uh, your you humble approach to uh, the problem, just that like, hey, look, we don't know what we don't know. Please tell us. Um, and, and that's you know, as a a chaplain, that's like really really endearing. I would commend that to any of our uh, listeners. Is like that's the first kind of step to understanding a problem is understanding that you don't understand the problem. Um, but then uh, that also kind of like uh, makes me curious because I've never used iSportsman. So why don't you kind of spool me up on that? Well, uh, I'd be happy to. Um, 
It's actually, it can be confusing for some people up front, but really it's, it's pretty simple. And once people learn it, um, we have a lot of people telling us that it's an, an improvement in the overall system. Uh, basically, you go to jblm.isportsman.net and you create an account. Um, it's pretty simple. Uh, once you've created your account, you need to you need to send us documents or, or show us somehow. Like if you sign up for, you know, disabled DoD disabled E5, we need to see you know that you have a VA rating greater than 50% for your disabled status and that you were you know you were an E5. So, you know, just validate whatever account type that you chose. And once that's done, you just basically choose a permit from the from the available thing. It's just like online shopping. You choose a permit that's available, you click on it, you buy it, and then you print out your passes. It'll print two things, one for your dashboard and one to carry with you in your pocket while you're away from your vehicle. Um, and then you check in and check out. It's it's uh, once people get over the initial hurdle, it's it's a pretty sweet system and it and it provides a ton of functionality for law enforcement and for safety and for our ability to to provide notifications and educate people on various issues. Uh, and it's already making an impact on, on especially the law enforcement folks going down range and being able to run plates and check people and make sure that things are, are going how they're supposed to be going. I, I've heard from a lot of other bases where it's really curtailed trespassing and dumping and illegal operations. And, and we're seeing some of that early on. Right. So yeah, because the, the old system uh, was was interesting because the old system for those who, who recreated on JBLM, you had two systems. You had not only the hunting and fishing um, operated through MWR and range control. So they worked together and you'd have to look at range control to see what was open. Then you'd have to log into the MWR system, but you also had a recreation pass that was separate. So you just had to go to range control. You could have this pass and you just slung it in your dashboard Um there wasn't always a, a, a system to track who was in and who was out. Um, and so that system kind of conflicted. And because you had people recreating, um, just doing horse, horseback riding, dog training, because it was just an open area, um, you might have that area closed or restricted for the uh, for hunting. So, you know, this has opened up a lot of opportunities for everyone, because now everyone's under one system and under one roof and you don't have to worry about, you know, am I, is this area open for hunting and I'm going to show up and, you know, am I going to have, have a, you know, it shut down for a bunch of horseback riding or something like that. You know, these things are able to be controlled a little bit more through iSportsman and we were really happy to see it coming in. Yeah, no, I appreciate that a lot because I've, I've been sharing this with uh, Trevor whenever we had uh, him and Callahan on. Uh, the only time I've ever gotten a ticket from a game warden was on Fort Stewart, and that was because I I was hunting in one area where I should have been hunting in, but I parked my Jeep on the other side of this like imaginary line that I didn't know that, that I had crossed. And so I trespassed in a closed training area, and, the, and the, that just led to like this see a shenanigans but that was like I, I get back from my muzzleloader hunting i get back to my jeep and uh there's uh, the game board sitting beside me i was like okay well then we're gonna play this you know song and dance and then to come to find out i was parked in the wrong area i was hunting in the right area and parked in the wrong one and i didn't know know that uh and so if i had known that and like had like some sort of app or, or electronic means to kind of like uh kind of map out my activities for the day then that would have saved me a, a, a significant hassle so anyways um, so, uh, Dennis, like, uh, like 
iSports, when you said it's just a website, there's no, no app or anything like that, that that's tied into it? There's no app. It's all web-based. Uh, I think they're working on an app, but that's not rolled out yet. Um, so people just pin the website to their phone. And it does have an interactive map, so you can see what's available. Um, and then we have people downloading the, the JBLM PDF Atlas and using Avenza as a way to, to navigate in real time as it doesn't require self-service to, to geolocate you. Um, we have a new map because one of the things we've done with iSportsman is we've split the training areas into two or three different subsets uh, or sub-areas. Um, and so we have a new uh, map that's rolling out for the Avenza app that has those on there. And a lot of people, that, that was new for a lot of people, too. And, and one of the, the advantages of those subunits is it, allow, it allows me to manage what we're opening as far as overlapping recreation with prescribed fire and logging operations. But right. what it doesn't do is range operations is not, is not taking those sub areas into account when they're scheduling military operations. A military operation in TA-8, for instance, still closes all of TA-8. But if nobody is scheduled in TA-8, then, then I can go into the sub areas and I can, you know, we can have high velocity hunting in TA-8A, but have horseback riding available in TA-8B or, or what have you. Right. Yeah. So it kind of speaks to some of the glitches that you need to work through with range control kind of going forward. Uh, that makes sense. Um, I'm wondering, Justin, yeah. um, so like, like this is saying that, uh, that they're, they're taking a PDF and then using a Venza to kind of like look at, at the two. Um, have y'all talked to uh, Onyx at all and see if they, they could just like simply make another layer for like a, a places like JBLM or other DOD sites? We haven't been completely, uh, we haven't talked to Onyx on that, at least on my end. Um, yeah, we have a relationship with them. We've been doing a lot of other things with them. I mean, what I do is I pull up the events so I can understand where all those units are and I mark them on my own. So I create my own layer. Yeah, right. Um, so that way when I pull up, especially in the old, in the old days, um, you know, I'd pull up, I'd have, especially uh, for waterfowl, there's a few lakes that have some really, really good waterfowl. And so I'd, I'd have to pull up that that PDF to see what units are open. All right, I'm looking at what units. Do I have a lake there that I like to hit over there? Is there a way for I can get to this, you know, tucked back lake where I know there's some wood ducks? Um, and so, yeah, we haven't brought on Onyx. I know Onyx typically uses, uh, you know, what's, what's free to them. So that, that's a really good idea. And I think... Uh, it might be one that we we bring forward, but it's going to require JBLM and and everybody else. You know, you've got some of that having it free and available. Um, you know, what security issues and that sort of thing. So I'd be interested to see where that would go. But yeah, I could see that one being a lot better because Avenza, I, I like it. I download the Avenza, but yeah, you have to sit there and you know using Avenza and using Onyx because um, there's Onyx and just have a few more features that are that are nice to have. Um, but Avenza at least gets you, shows you the areas and you're able to determine where you're allowed to hunt and you can kind of make those within Onyx. Yeah. I, I would think that like if, if Venza has access to it, Onyx should be able to, uh, to, to be able to get access to it. Um, and then like if, if they are, if, if you've already digitized how you're actively opening and closing things for people to see it, it would just be a simple API to, to backfeed into Onyx. Like, uh, and Dennis, have they talked to, at all about doing something like that to where they can, uh, 
they can interface with some of these other maps so where you're not having to run two uh two applications simultaneously uh i think that's a little challenging because the interactive map that's in iSportsman is hosted by iSportsman and they're managing 50 plus bases and everybody's on their embedded map so that's why we have what we're what we're publishing is just a really um it's a detailed PDF, and so you download the PDF either from Range Control or from our iSportsman page, and then you use a secondary application to open it. And we, we're recommending Avenza, but I'm sure other apps can open the PDF. Um, they yeah, are working on improve. Yeah, they're working on improvements to their interactive map within iSportsman, um, but that's kind of like outside of our ability to control because iSportsman is basically a product that we've bought, and they're and they're providing that service. Yeah. yeah, with the Venza, if you've never used it, uh, a lot of the U.S. Forest Service, um, and when they came through with the MAPS Act uh, in the last couple of years, that's kind of what they went to because that's what was easy. And essentially, it's just a topographical map um, digitized. It's just a digital topographical map. Um, so you could just, you know, basically just have a map there, and a Venza is going to be able to pinpoint where you're at. It, it puts in, hey, here's where it is geographically and so you can see where you're at in comparison to that one single map that you have um so it's kind of like downloading it's almost like downloading an offline map on onyx uh, but yeah it's it's a digitized paper topographical map um and a lot of if you us forest service blm all those have them free to receive um so for a lot of hikers that sort of thing this is a vins is free you can get the maps for free um, so it, it's very nice to just be able to download that for, um, for that usage. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to see how, uh, map technology has come. Cause I, I can remember being a, a teenager and getting on Terra server and printing off like, uh, the, the Terra server maps and then trying to like orient myself uh, to it. And then, uh, then I, as a, probably a younger adult, I discovered a Venza, especially after like the, uh, the iPhone came out Then I was like this this is the bee's knees. This is the coolest thing ever. Uh, and then Onyx came on and then like, then it was like, that's what, what cool really, uh, you know, does look like at least in 2023, if you're listening to this 10 years later, then probably there'd be something else cooler. <laughs> that, that comes yeah, out. absolutely. <laughs> no. And I mean, it's great with that maps act that came out that basically, the, um, you know, the, the easy language of it is every single piece of public federal land will be digitally mapped. Um, so there will be a digital map for that um, in order for inventories and that sort of thing. So that way you have those maps on, you know, if you don't want to pay for Onyx, get the Avenza because you can just, it, there it is. You just download those maps beforehand, uh, you know, just making it more accessible to everybody. And that's one of the things that, you know, we're, we're all about, you know, make the, make these lands accessible. So everybody knows about them. Right. Right. That makes sense. Um, so like, uh, let's kind of like, uh, pivot a little bit and, and talk about like, if you were a new person showing up to, to JBLM, how do you kind of get hunted for if you're a guardsman? So if you're a guardsman, you get free tags for say to Washington. And a lot of those guys live in Olympia, uh, Tacoma and, and JBLM is just right down the road. They're very familiar with it. I mean, a lot of these guys have been in for 20 years. They know TA8 like the back of their hand because they've done so much training out there and they see things that, that, that are out there. So they can go out there and hunt during uh, hunt season totally for free. Um, and so I'm kind of wondering like how would, uh, if I joined the guard today and I don't know anything, how do I uh, go about hunting on JBLM? 
I'm just to either one of you. So. Well, yeah, uh, I'll start with I'll, part I'll of it, that. and then uh, you know I'll let Dennis take over for the the iSportsman part. So I can I can Perfect. tell from the user perspective, um, you know I've been I've been here since 2011, been hunting pheasant. Pheasant was my big thing, but there's so many opportunities. I think JBLM covers a little over 40,000 acres, uh, or no, 90,000 acres is what it is. Yeah, it's 90,000 acres of of area. So they've got a lot of land here. What you would do is you're going to show up. Uh, as a guardsman, you're going to need to go and register your weapons. That's kind of really, to me, that's one of your first steps. That's one of your big hurdles. So if you've already got your free tags from the state, you've already got your license, your other thing you're going to do, make sure you've got your uh, your hunter safety course, which can be uh, exempted through Washington, you know, due to your military service, depending on years and all that. But registering your weapons on post. So if you're going to hunt with a firearm, muzzle loader, um, you're going to have to go on post and register. That's going to be at Waller Hall. You'll show up to vehicle registration. You'll take a number, bring in your serial number, bring in the model of your weapon, everything like that. I always just do all of mine all at once. Um, bring that in there and they're going to be able to register that for you. Don't bring the actual firearm. That's <laughs> not what they want. They want you just to bring a serial number and the description. So to me, that's kind of one of the bigger steps because that's going to be one of your, your first hurdles of making sure you can show up when Waller Hall is open, or you can do it at the main gate when Waller Hall is not open, if the right person is there. So I don't want people just showing up to, to the main gate at 1 a.m. and then finding out that, oh, no, the right person's not here who can access the, those systems. But you'll fill out a form, you'll register your weapons. And then from there, um, now they've made it simple. It used to be you had to run around to a few more areas. Now you don't have to. Now you can get on iSportsman and you can get logged on through iSportsman. Uh, from and Dennis, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I just went through this with you. Uh, so all you're going to do, you're going to get on there. You're going to create an account. Uh, you'll get to select iSportsman now has it where you do have to pay money to be able to access it. You there's there's daily permits, there's weekly permits, there's annual permits, there's combo permits because you can you need permits for recreation, fishing, hunting. You know, so those are the three permits. You can buy a combo like I did and get all of them, but it's stepped based upon like a lot of things in the military based upon your rank and based upon some of that. So, you know, you're an E1, you're going to pay less than, you know, an O2, uh, you know, so it's, it's stepped based on that. Then it's step. So you've got your active du duty or, um, you know, still in, then you've got those that are disabled veterans. Then you have uh, civilians, I think D they might even break it out with DOD civilians. Uh, again, Dennis can correct me on there. And then you will select what you are. You send all the documents to Dennis, so that way Dennis knows, yes, you are who you say you are, and yes, you belong in this category. And then from there, you purchase your permit. Um, so you're now available to, so for me, I was, as Dennis said, E5 disabled. Uh, that's what I was. Um, so that was the perfect example for him. Showed up. It pulls <laughs> up all the permits that I can purchase. Um, so for me, I purchased an annual fishing, hunting, recreation combo license. And that allows me to do anything I want to um, all year long, you know, as long as that unit is open. So that's what they've gone to now. Um and yeah, then you're just able to sign up. So Dennis, let me know if anything on that iSportsman side is, is kind of wrong there. I think I, I think that that's, that's what I've got so far. Yeah, you pretty much nailed it. The, the only things that are not included in the combo permit that you got are 
the ORV park, which is a separate, there was no fee increase. We kept the, the fees the same for the ORV park, but that's a separate deal. And launching boats at Solo Point. Um, and that's a new thing. The thing for people to understand with the Solo Point boat launching thing is, is a lot of the powers that be wanted to keep that entirely closed. Um, but we argued and, and negotiated in order to open the boat launch for the public. And one of the things that we did for that was to, to, inst to institute this $10 per launch fee with all the money to go back to solar point management and, and uh, restoration. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's exactly like you said, and you check into an open area, you can see on the interactive map and the area status page seven days ahead, um, which areas are going to be open. Um, you look for one of the green areas or you just check, you know, if you're going to go hunting, you, you will select, um, I don't know, deer hunting archery, and it'll tell you which areas are open for that. And you just select one, check in. Um, and then when you're done for the day, you check out, make sure you get the checkout confirmation screen and go from there. And then, and then don't forget to communicate with us on how we can improve things because that's, like I said before, a super important part of the process. We're improving everything, not just, the rules and how it works, but you know which opens, which areas are open for what, and you know trying to manage all the different types of recreation. So we have people that all they do is horseback ride, and people that all they do is you know high velocity predator hunting. So managing all that, figuring out how to manage all that on our end is a big part of offering a great product. Yeah, I imagine that's a, a pretty big uh, challenge. Y'all keyed off a bunch of questions in uh, in my mind, like. Uh, like first off, like what was the what's the rationale that you said that you had to argue to, to uh, get the solo uh, point uh, permit enacted? Why did they want to keep mm -hmm. that closed? Well, the boat ramp isn't in great condition, and it's scheduled to be demolished and replaced. So, and that's probably going to happen a year from now or eighteen months from now. Um, so, some people wanted to just continue to to keep it closed until it was repaired. Um, my argument was like, hey, the public is not damaging this ramp in any way. Additionally, if anybody's going to damage it, it's, you know, somebody launching a much heavier craft. Um, honestly, kind of there's been some headwinds. Yeah, a liability issue. And it is a training facility. Like all these areas, they are even even areas that people don't think are training facilities like Trotter's Woods for the salmon angling. That is a schedulable training area for, you know, river-based operations. And Solo Point is the same way, you know, uh, the Special Forces Group often uses that to launch and recover their attack craft. And when they do, when they do schedule that area, it's not open for recreation. So that boat ramp is particularly, it's used for, for group, basically. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So um, you said that they, there was like a $10 uh, fee. So I have a, I have two questions on that. Like one, like um, what can you expect to pay? Like, well, like if I wanted the uh, everything out of iSportsman, I was going to pay everything. What's the max amount of money that you could ex anticipate me spending? And two, like, where does that money go once I spend it? Well, that's a good question. We actually have one of the more complicated pricing structures in the DOD. Um, awesome. A lot of places don't offer <laughs> any discounts. It's like, this is the price and that's it. Doesn't matter if you're DOD or, or Washington or, you know, Colorado resident or what, but we, we really put in a lot of those graduated categories for different ranks and for different statuses, like we talked about. Right. Um, for a Washington resident, if you wanted all three, the, the full pass is $179 for the year. 
If you're uh, active duty E4, it's $30 for the year. So it's it's somewhere between those. Oh, wow. Does that answer your question? Because it, it does. <laughs> I mean, so like to, to kind of like put a, a kind of a picture on it, like I can join the Army out of high school or join, say I joined the Washington National Guard out of high school. I get all my, my mm -hmm. tags for free and I spend like 30 bucks if I like, you know, showed up and, you know, as an E4, which a lot of them do. Uh, to mm -hmm. be able to hunt on an area uh, and fish on an area that's more or less like they're, they're I wouldn't say closed to the public, but like it's there's some hurdles to kind of kind of like curtail a lot of traffic out, out there uh, so that um, I have a little bit more of an exclusive hunting uh, kind of experience, uh, which is a, a unique military benefit, especially for the Washington Guard guys. Yeah, and it's a great, I mean, it's a, such a unique landscape as far as what's available here. Uh, once we start managing populations actively, I think it's just a great, there's nothing like it nearby. There's no lowland areas like it. If you want to hunt warehouser land, which is the nearest thing close by, it's $400 for the year and it's sold out. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good, a good point. Um, so, uh, and I think even with the Y houser, like there's not as much. I don't know. There's a, so much opportunity on JBLM. Uh, I mean, from the fishing, not only do you have Trotter Woods, uh, the tank bridge, uh, you know, that's another one that's just absolutely, you know, great for salmon fishing. You've got some, some different regulations out there. You've got duck hunting, um, some that you can wade into. You don't need a watercraft, some that you need a watercraft. And then the pheasant release sites where you've got multiple pheasant release sites almost every single weekend um, on there. Plus, you know, all of your horseback riding, deer hunting, elk, bear. Um, I would have no doubt if there's mountain lions out there. I, I, you know, turkey are. is on post. I know. So, I mean, the, the, it's absolutely incredible how much opportunity is on JBLM that yeah is kind of a little bit more exclusive just because you got to jump a couple of hurdles right 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 now that makes sense and i'll i'll add if i can just add a couple to that i i've heard you know people to go fly fishing in ta16 you know you can't you can't fish for salmon above the tank bridge um so anywhere anywhere upstream of that in ta18 and ta16 you can still fish for rainbows. I, I've heard stories of people go down there on their lunch break and get 25 catch and release rainbows with their fly rod um, and we're we're kind of pushing, clearing some roads down into some areas in TA-16 where there's a little sandbar or whatever. Um, we're looking at stocking lakes. We're going to institute that for Lewis Lake and Vietnam Village Marsh and some of the areas that are landlocked and we're able to stock. Um, so we're investing in that. And, uh, and yeah, all the waterfowl opportunities, it's all cool stuff. That's pretty awesome, actually. So you... Um... You had kind of made a, a passing mention of, of like like when y'all start like you know like managing populations. Like, what does management look like now uh, on JBLM, and where is it going? Well, uh, management now looks like zero, to be perfectly honest. Uh, we have been focused on endangered species management until July first, um, and MWR has done no active management of any game population, fish or or large mammals. Um, and so, and this is an area of, this is an area of wildlife biology that I'm in the process of learning. I'm getting some good tutoring from the folks that have been managing iSportsman for 15 years, from Fort Campbell, especially 
um, as far as how they're running their their deer population surveys and setting maximum sustainable yield and figuring out which areas to you know set hunter limits on and which areas to close for a season or, or whatever. So that's a that's a thing that we're we're learning at the moment. We're still you know solving problems and making the system making sure the system is functional. But if you fast forward to 2025. You know, a lot of my job is going to be sending people out at night to do population surveys and using these um, software I've been learning about to kind of extrapolate r results into large scale, you know, large areas in order to measure, estimate, you know, total area population. Um, so nothing's been done. And then we're going to start doing a better job, basically, is the short answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one that I used to go contact, uh, we would just contact range control, because of course, they're out there driving all the time. Um, you know, there were people that had rumors of is there turkey on post? Is there not turkey on post? <laughs> You'd have people jumping in and marking turkeys while they're uh, in the middle of parachuting. Um, so you know, it's just one, we didn't have to report our game at the end of it. Uh, so you know, we'd sign out of rec track was the old system, we'd sign out and you know, they didn't know how many ducks we killed or if we harvested a bear or harvested a deer. Uh, so this will be able to, you know, we're very supportive of active management, active science-based management here. And so being able to give the biologists the data that they need, um, whether it's through counts, whether it's through um, harvest data, whatever we need, is just going to make things better it's just going to give us better opportunities make things uh make it easier for them to understand like what's the game look like how can we get healthy populations how can we have you know if you look at uh some of the other dod locations um there's an arsenal down in oklahoma that manages for trophy deer only doing i think traditional archery is all they allow and they have just monster bucks down there but it's just that's the because of the data they were able to have because of what they were able to do you know they implemented a a lottery system to manage it um and so you know we're really excited to see what Dennis and the rest of the team's going to be able to do um you know we've heard rumors of possibly looking at doing some turkey releases and bringing back some easterns in some of the habitat so excited about hey if that comes to fruition um but yeah it's just Going from zero to being able to have this data just at their fingertips is going to be is going to be nice, and we're we're excited to see where it's going to go. That's pretty cool because like that means that uh like you know Dennis had brought up earlier that a lot of people aren't used to paying money to to the to hunt on JBLM, but you're getting one the functionality of, of the the iSportsman platform, but number two you're at, you're actively contributing to the betterment of the area that you hunt even though you have to come out come out of pocket a little bit but like in the long term that this sounds like uh you're going to have more opportunity because of a better and more precisely managed professionally managed uh, uh game population and uh, then that game population will also be of a higher quality am i hearing you guys right absolutely that's amen thank you <laughs> Right, right. All right. Well, hey, look, um, I, I don't want to uh, glance over the things that uh, AFI is doing uh, right here, kind of in our, our backyard. I know that you have like a, a public lands day coming up. So I'd like to love to hear about that. And then the uh, garbage and grouse event on the 14th of October. So, Justin, I guess that's to, uh, to you. Well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll talk about the garbage and grouse and then we'll end up with uh, 
with Dennis talking about his public lands day uh, event uh, going to be on on JVLM. So for ours, the garbage and grouse, this is a great opportunity for we invite everyone to come out. You don't have to be military. You don't have to be a member of BHA, but we're going to be cleaning up every year. We do a hands-on conservation event where we clean up a public shooting pit. Um, so we work with the DNR, uh, another organization called Trash No Lands and, and then WashingtonGuns.org to basically we shut down a public shooting area for the day. We clean up all the trash. We clean up the graffiti. We paint over it. We remove all the shells and basically just completely rejuvenate this area um, on a shared piece of property. So this year we're going to focus on Capital State Forest at a place called the Triangle Pit. Uh, if you're a shooter in uh, in the JBLM Olympia area, you know of Triangle Pit. Um, it's just one that everybody goes down there. It's a very popular area. We're going to go clean that one up. Um, we're going to have breakfast and lunch are going to be provided through some of our organizations. Uh, we've got all the tools provided through some of our local um, companies that have stepped up. And everybody that signs up, we've got T-shirts that we got paid for. Uh, Bass Pro Shops uh, gave us a grant to go ahead and make T-shirts for everybody that will be worn under uniforms. So um, nice soft shirts uh, that will say garbage and grouse and and, uh, and volunteer on them and have the flag. So we would love to invite everyone out October 14th to Triangle Pit. Um, if you want to get onto the Armed Forces Initiative website, just Google Armed Forces Initiative and click on events. And it's going to be down there. The Washington garbage and grouse event. All right, that's awesome. Yeah, that um, just happens to uh, correspond with uh, one of our our drill days. I'm gonna see if I can uh, wrangle up some chaplain uh, uh, powers to to get somebody down there to to meet you guys. I think it'd be pretty cool, especially since that they end up getting a, a t-shirt out of the deal that they can wear. So it's kind of yeah, kinda absolutely. Yeah, they can just wear it right under the uniform right there, uh, which which is great to just have something that's everybody like. It's not your typical cotton. It's a nice, soft one. Um, you know, we used another, I think he's a, he's a National Guard or another veteran here in Puyallup to, uh, to help us do that. So helping and support, supporting a veteran-owned company um, making this for us. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, you're right down the road from uh, our uh, 2146 headquarters at Triangle Pit. Um, it's a little bit of a drive, but it's not, not, not that far. Uh, so I think that they'd probably uh, be really interested in trying to, you know, own at least a piece of that. So yeah That'd be great yeah um yeah so public lands day dennis tell us about that well okay great our our event is september 23rd so next this saturday but the following um and we're doing uh basically an invasive brush removal slash habitat restoration um this one is focused on the taylor's checker spot butterfly i know a lot of people in our sportsman community are not focused on butterflies um this is a federally endangered species and to be honest, it's a really cool part of Washington state history. When, when the first botanists and, and settlers arrived in these areas, that people described these butterflies as flying in clouds of hundreds of thousands. Um, so it's just kind of a cool part of our natural history legacy in the area. And so people are meeting us at 10 a.m. at the DuPont Park and Ride, and we'll sign everybody up there at the, at the uh, official volunteer management system. Um, we'll go out. We have some of our fish and wildlife biologists there on, on scene to talk about some of our uh, conservation meth um, methods and, and things that we've been working on. Um, also, just helping people understand how incredibly special this landscape is. Fish and Wildlife Department manages over 35 rare and endangered species on the landscape. Um, we just have such incredibly rare and diverse habitat types. 
And so we'll have folks there talking about how all those things interact and how people can take an active role and, you know, what kind of birds and butterflies and some of the smaller, more rare species that people can see on post. Um, and this is, you know, part of a part of the, you know, I've been an endangered species biologist until now. I'm a game game biologist now. So moving forward, our public lands day events are going to be more focused on fishing and hunting access and stuff like that. But if people want to come see the other side and gain a better appreciation of sort of the the finer points of the landscape and some of the subtleties that might be missing, you know, as they move around looking for other things on the landscape, that'd be awesome. And and I'd love to have folks come out and and help spread that that message of you know species diversity and habitat interaction um, to our sportsman community. Yeah, absolutely. So like uh, that kind of keys my curiosity. Like if, if those uh, butterflies were in the just in clouds of hundreds and millions and stuff, like what happened? Like wh how did they become get onto the endangered species list? Well, uh, when people first arrived in these areas, the, the prairies extended from every basically from. Tacoma to Eugene. Um, but what happened is, is everybody swallowed up all of the best landscape for farms. Um, and those areas became strip malls. And so JBLM is really hosting uh, the last large Puget Lowland prairies left in existence. Um, 10 years ago, when I got into this, this job, there were 11 populations in Washington of the Taylor's checker spot butterfly. And now JBLM hosts basically hosts the last one. Oh, wow. Um, so we, and, and, you know, it's a, it's a fairly difficult species to manage. It moves around on the landscape. It doesn't always follow our, our designs and our plans and our restoration areas. It just doesn't stay there. It just moves. And right. so now it's actually moved to a corner of the artillery impact area that's adjacent to an area that we can restore. So it's a, it's a cool opportunity for us to restore a footprint that's not on the AIA, um, in order, just in order to expand the available area for the species. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, it's pretty cool that like a uh, JBLM can kind of play a role uh, in that. That um, you, when you look at it, everybody sees like an army base, and that's all they they see. But whenever it's like when you kind of think multidimensionally, like all the different things that you can do with it, um, how much uh, impact having that uh, that uh, that post right there can have on on more than just the military. Uh, that we can actually help try to save a a, a butterfly that might not not be there. Yeah, I mean, Absolutely. the DOD is uh, a the lot of people... fifth largest landowner. So when you think about that as it being the fifth largest landowner in the U.S., just the amount of space, it's not just, you know, the base, it's all those training areas. I mean, what, why, you know, so again, 90,000 acres here for JBLM. I think uh, Yakima's somewhere around like maybe 300,000. Um, you know, YTC yep. is huge. You've just got these areas that are unused, because that's where we train, that's where we drive, we have all that. So those areas are open for all these species. They're going to move where they're going to have less pressure. And so the DOD can have a huge impact on some of these endangered species. And, uh, you know, people like Dennis are exactly what are out there doing the work to make sure that we can keep them around. Right. Yeah, right. a lot of people don't, a lot of people aren't seeing that the DOD actually hosts more endangered species diversity than any other government agency. A lot of people would expect BLM or Forest Service, but the DOD has all of these properties that are in the middle of these forgotten landscapes. You know, on the East Coast, many of the DOD properties are like the only place left for migratory bird stopovers and animals that need large territorial home ranges, stuff like that. So as a biologist, it's, it's truly an honor to work for the Department of Defense. It's, it's there are these rare landscapes um, that are just hosting species diversity like 
it's an island. It's an island of biodiversity. That is, that is pretty cool. It's a, a cool, just as a, a career soldier, it's kind of a cool legacy to know that at least I had some part of it, even though like I maybe not directly impacted on it, but at least, you know, I'm on the team. Um, yeah. So like uh, kind of like wrapping up because uh, we're rolling in on about an hour or so. What's the call to action? What's the so what that y'all, uh, both of you uh, would want our listeners to, uh, to take away from or to do uh, after they listen to this episode? Uh, on my end, if you're in one of your, you're in JBLM uh, area, sign up, come get involved, come actually be out there. Know that this is an opportunity for you. Don't let it, uh, don't let it pass you by. Uh, you know, you don't have to go drive over to the east side to go hunt elk. You don't have to, you know, drive, like you've got elk, bear, deer, an amazing pheasant release uh, um, program. Um, right there at your fingertips on JBLM that, yeah, you're going to have less pressure. So just getting involved um, and then by signing up for iSportsman, paying the money, you know, you're going back and you're giving back to conservation. Uh, that's so getting involved through that. And then eventually, you know, Hey, come get involved with some of these hands-on parts, give back just a little bit more. Right, right, right. Dennis. Yeah. I just, I just add that, you know, help us make this thing awesome. We're, we're new to this, but we're committed to making this the best recreation program in the DOD. So give us that feedback. Give us your observations. Give us your suggestions on how we can improve, um, and we'll work on it. You know, this is a this is a work in progress. So we're not we're not here to be you know the faceless bureaucrat that says like, nope, sorry, <laughs> that's how it is. Um, yeah. So just get involved, and together we're gonna just we'll make something off. We'll make something awesome. No, I appreciate that, dude. I I really appreciate you being on because uh, the, a lot of times communication seems to be one of the bigger uh, challenges that we have to get over, and, and that you become the faceless bureaucrat, even though you may not be, uh, because like nobody knows who to talk to, and like kind of platforms like this where you have these long, you know, form communications where you can kind of flesh an idea out or, or kind of get a message out, um, really helps kind of yeah. bridge that gap. And I'll tell you, at least on the Washington Guard side, we have a lot of very dedicated hunters. I mean, uh, you know, Colonel Osborne that was on uh, our, the last episode, whenever we had you guys on, and was at the um, uh, the backcountry event that we ended up having uh, last July. Uh, he was one of the guys that uh, that spearheaded getting um, all of our uh, guardsmen uh, free tags. Like that's the kind of the, the level. I mean, like we went to Poland and, and three of us went out and, and shot a uh, red stags. Mine's hanging over my fireplace, uh, you know, at, at my house right now. Um, and so it's good to hear from uh, you guys, uh, about issues. And I would invite you back. Like if, if there's ever anything that you wanted to get out, like I can tell you that like at least to the 81st brigade, which is about two thirds of the Washington national guard, uh, they'll listen to these uh, episodes and, um, and you'll get, you'll, you'll be heard at least by us on, on the, uh, the North side of I-5. So. Yeah. And email me directly. It's I'm dennis.buckingham.civ at army.mil. I'm, I'm here to, respond to emails i don't have a published phone number at the moment and that's just because we took on three thousand customers in the last six weeks and <laughs> right. i just am trying to make the system better i don't i don't unfortunately i do want to spend 45 minutes with every person but i just don't have the ability to do that <laughs> I, I i appreciate that i recently had my uh my uh, civilian work email published on the public forum and man that was a <laughs> that was an interesting experience so so like i, I can appreciate that 100 percent 
Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, I'll put that that email in the uh, the show notes, so that way they they can that and it'll be there after after that point. They can uh, always uh, reach out and find you. And so, Justin, uh, how would they get in touch with you if they, if they needed to get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the best things, especially if they're if they're a new hunter, they're wanting to kind of get some guidance on hey, what to do, or they need some mentorship. We've got some mentorship uh, programs working through right now. So, either email w a AFI at backcountryhunters.org. That'll get you to our liaison, Sean. Or email me directly, and that's going to be AFI comms. So C O M M S at backcountryhunters.org. Uh, email that. We've got some uh we've got some pheasant hunting mentorship programs that we're working with right now. We've got, of course, uh I've got a a blacktail hunting course coming up. We do a turkey hunting course every year. Um, we're hoping to add some elk calling. We do an archery event. So we've got a lot. If you want to get involved and if you're new to hunting or you're curious about hunting or fishing, great opportunity. Reach out. We'll try to find you somebody who is near you and can go ahead and mentor you and help you get out and get involved. All right. That's awesome. Well, but guys, thanks so much for being on. I always love like, hearing from, uh, from AFI. And uh, I've never talked to a, uh, a biologist uh, before. So uh, thanks for being on, uh, Dennis. That's, that's uh, pretty cool, pretty good information to, to get out to our guys. Great. My pleasure. All right. All right. Well, uh, thanks so much. See you guys later. This has been the Raven Report Podcast, the official podcast of the 81st Striker Brigade Combat Team. If you're interested in seeing if you have what it takes to join our team, go to our Instagram and click the link in the bio. Click the join link and connect with us.